When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know, I do think that, uh, uh, you know, we played, uh, I believe we played San Francisco on Monday night, got beat up pretty good that one night that uh, we either won the division or something like that. So there's a lot of football left to be played, but we got to get better quick. Football. And we will dive into the fact that there's a lot of football left. We'll talk about the football that happened yesterday inside U.S. Bank Stadium. And uh, we'll do our deep dive here on Purple Daily, Mackie, Judd, and Declan. But Declan, how many Corona hard seltzers did you have to guzzle down to uh, make the sting of that Vikings loss go away yesterday? You know, I started with the lime. Then I transitioned to the blackberry lime. Then I went a little cherry. You know, and, and then I uh, did, you go four, some... did you go four wide? Yeah, and then a little four, four mango, a little four verts, <laughs> four four Corona. Your play calling was baby. really good, Declan. You oh, see yeah. what you you beat the local club because your play calling was right on point. And on four, fourth and three, you went to the right seltzer. Yeah, four, four verts, baby. Nice. Way to go. Four hard seltzers. Pure beach vibes. That's all I was trying to do. I was trying to get some pure beach vibes for Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. That's all I was trying to do. <laughs> Corona Hard Seltzer has a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, blackberry lime, and is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Cousins from his own end zone is going to be sacked for a safety. Two points as Jair Alexander comes in from his corner spot. Pass for Thielen is intercepted. It's Jair Alexander who had the safety a moment ago. And he comes up with the interception. Rodgers. Lazard. And Alan Lazard has a Packer touchdown. Four touchdown passes today for Aaron Rodgers. All righty, welcome into Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, and we've now had the night to sleep on this thing. Everything we did on Vikings Ventline, you can find that was the first video-centric version of Vikings Ventline. It's been a radio-centric show for seven years and you can find our first video center production where we welcome fans into the show. And you guys were great yesterday. You can find that on demand on the Purple Daily Podcast feed and on YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. But boys, every Monday or every day after Vikings games on this show, 
We're going to go through the five biggest Vikings talkers and do deep dives into all of them. And I think off yesterday, like narrowing the list down to five is actually pretty hard. I feel like there's way more than five. So we might have to put like subsections underneath okay. some of these. That's fair. But um, And I think this probably calls for some appropriate music too, Declan. I think we should probably do that. Football. So I'll give you guys uh, the, the, the number one biggest talker yesterday, and then we can go around the horn. You guys ready for this? Let's go. Okay. The Vikings gave up over 520 yards defensively yesterday, the second most by a Mike Zimmer coach team. It's also the most points the Packers have ever scored in a week one game. Your thoughts? They've only been around since, what, the 20s or something like that, so I wouldn't take that much. Uh, um, yeah. Wouldn't. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> my thoughts. My thoughts are that the Vikings defense, starting with that, um, since you mentioned the yards allowed and the points allowed, uh, the Vikings defense did not look prepared to play uh, the Packers' Aaron Rodgers with their young cornerbacks, the Vikings. They uh, they had no answer for a semblance of a pass rush. I mean, Daniil Hunter's absence is not news to the team. We were told it's a tweak and he's going to be back soon. If it's a neck, which is what uh, Courtney Cronin reported a few weeks back, Phil, or last week when it came out, and the Vikings have clearly known that, uh, the Vikings should never have been thinking that's a slam dunk he's going to play in week one. So all of these things lead me to the thought that the Vikings coaching staff, which ordinarily does a very good job preparing its defense, starting with the head coach, Mike Zimmer did not do a good job in this case. And I'm not saying that the Vikings were going to beat the Packers and Rodgers. What I am saying is that when your fastball is supposed to come from what your defensive game plan is, I'm a little bit surprised there wasn't more there there because there was no there there when it came to the Vikings defense on Sunday. So we did our pie chart of blame on the Mackey and Judd show today. And I this I, I don't want this to sound scapegoaty, but I know that it does sound scapegoaty. I don't think we should underestimate the impact of having no fans inside the stadium. I mean, you take 70,000 screaming fans at any normal game inside U.S. Bank Stadium and and you start ramping up the horn and the ACDC music <laughs> and big voice guy and everything that goes into the production inside that stadium on a Sunday and it it flusters young quarterbacks to the point where their you know their careers get derailed but it flusters guys like Aaron Rodgers too Aaron Rodgers has had some clunker games inside that stadium and inside the Metrodome as well and so when you remove that factor from the stadium mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think the Vikings like went in thinking, all right, we, we're definitely this is going to be different for sure, and it's going to be easier for the quarterback. I don't even think they understood how much easier it would be. I don't think they figured on the second snap of the game, Aaron Rodgers was going to do a hard count and get the Vikings to jump for a five yard penalty. I mean, he looked as comfortable, if not more comfortable, than he would have for three hours inside Lambeau Field, and everything sort of branched off that for me. Like when when when. A quarterback like Rodgers can be that comfortable for three hours. Right. You don't sack him. You don't make him panic, you know, as the play clock is running down and he can't communicate something. Like, think about this. Think about how many times the play clock is running down in a game or in that game. Five seconds, four seconds. And Rodgers can yell something inside of an empty stadium or call for the snap or whatever it is. 
And you wouldn't be able to do that with 70,000 screaming fans. I, I really thought that the empty stadium set the tone for everything bad that happened to the Vikings defense yesterday. And that's not to take away blame. I'm just yeah, saying. but I, I think in, fa- in fairness, too, and this would extend to uh, Rick Spielman as well as Zim, I think the tone was also set by the fact that you sent out Cameron Dantzler, a third-round pick, making his debut. Holton Hill, who had played a little bit previously but not much, and Mike Hughes, and basically said, go get them, gentlemen, without a pass rush. And and this goes back to exactly why we spent time, I think, is you know, in June, going back to June, talking about, are you going to go sign a veteran cornerback to get some help here? Like a, like a steadying guy, not a great player, but a guy who can steady things. And they didn't. And then when, when they acquired Ngakwe, we all said, okay, this makes perfect sense because you're going to combine him with Hunter on the left end now and get pressure on quarterbacks, and that's going to help your young secondary. But then you knew for a fact if you're the Vikings, there was a good chance that Hunter was not going to play. So there, there were a lot of things here that basically played into what you're saying in setting yourself up to fail, which if I'm a Vikings fan is frustrating because a lot of those things were first guesses by by us and fans. Let me ask you this. Let's start with Declan on this one, okay? If you could change any one of these three things, which one, like, which one would you change first? 70,000 fans in the stadium, Daniil Hunter being on the field, hmm. Or Mike Zimmer getting a mulligan going back to the beginning of the week or two weeks ago and just, like, having a better idea of what sh- what he should have expected in that game without those two factors. I would say I'd, I would put, in the order of, like, most important, mm-hmm. I would put um, having Daniil Hunter in the game. Like, that is essential. He is the buildest, biggest building block of, of that of that whole defense. So if you take him away and now you can't clear pressure because Yannick Ngakwe is not up to speed or you don't know how to rush Anthony Barr, etc., it, it, it makes things very difficult. So I think that's the most important thing. I'll put the fans, too. I think the 70,000 fans with Daniil Hunter, with pressure in Rodgers' ears all, the whole time, I think that does play a bigger factor. Giving him the mulligan, I think it's, it, in my opinion, it's, it's too much of hindsight because we know what happened. So, like, what's, what was really going to change if we can give him another mulligan? And, and, or even, like, let's say, like, they would play the Packers again next Sunday, right? Same situation, no fans. I don't think anything would change. So, to me, I would go... Daniel Hunter in the, uh, on on the field, fans first, or fans second, excuse me, and then Mike Zimmer having a mulligan. Well, you Jed. If let's let's take that scenario. If the Vikings were to play the Packers next week, yep. with with no fans, same stadium, and no Daniel Hunter, yep. and Mike Zimmer just gets the, the the benefit of all right. Well, we learned our lesson there in a couple ways. Mm-hmm. How much different do you think the result would be? I think that you would at least look like you're trying to give your team a chance, which I felt like the Vikings didn't look like. So I would probably go Hunter 1, Zimmer 2. And here and here's why fans in the stadium is 3. And we've been saying for two weeks now, this is going to be a problem. Like your defense is built for one, probably turf, and two, noise that helps your team out. Um, but we need to keep in mind that the Packers came into this same stadium around Christmas last year and kicked the Vikings' butt pretty soundly. And that was with fans. Uh, in, in fact, Zim, I believe, is now 0-3 against LaFleur since LaFleur got the job with Packers as their head coach last year. So I would say Hunter won game plan differently, too, and fans three based on, on the fact that we now have experience with fans in the stadium and LaFleur coaching the Packers and without, and they won both games. Yeah. So I think I, 
I would go Daniil Hunter number. I'm, I'm with Declan. I'd go Daniil Hunter if you could bring him back. That's the number one thing that you'd like to do. Number two, I'd put fans in the stadium. It's not that they couldn't have done things differently because I, th- I think there were things you could try. But when you take away those two major factors. Can I give you one more thing, deal. too, though, that, that frustrates me? Because Zim is an old coach who I think operates a lot of times under philosophies that he believes to be true. And some of those definitely work. But here's what frustrates me. This was the same guy who went into the Superdome last year in a playoff game against the Saints and came up with this creative way to create pressure that we're all like, whoa, where'd that come from? That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. Okay, so your hand is tipped there, and so you could you do it. And then, and then in this one, it's like, I got no ideas. Like, explain that one to me. Yeah. Um, that Saints game plan was outstanding defensively. Yeah, it is. And it's like the one big, big game where you you came away in the Mike Zimmer era thinking, well, the Vikings like out everything to a really good team in that spot. So, All right. Uh, talker number two off yesterday. The Vikings gave up a safety that sort of it, it felt like it sort of swung. The Packers were off to a great start and the Packers controlled the ball, but like the Vikings got that huge stop on fourth down mm-hmm. and it felt like they were going to be able to march down the field just like they did on the first drive. And boom, I believe it was Jair Alexander comes yeah. off the edge completely yes. untouched to Kirk Cousins blindside. And so we we tinkered with this on Ventline yesterday, but what is your uh, now that you've slept on it, your pie chart of blame for the Vikings giving up that game-changing safety? Oh, my pie chart of blame is um, they ran play action to Cook, right? And Cook released then. And if there was any hope of picking up the blitzing linebacker from that side, because in in, uh, Reeves' defense, he was completely engaged with a guy up front. Uh, It would have been Cook throwing the actual block. Uh, Kirk, knowing Kirk, is not going to escape that one. And we know for a fact Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Cousins doesn't feel pressure really that well. Like, that's not breaking news. So I would, again, go back to the majority of my pie chart of blame for that one is on the actual play call and coaching. Cousins has to take blame because, my God, when you're paid as much as Kirk is, feel the pressure. But he just doesn't, and I know that. And, again, you can come to me and ask me on my couch, what do you think about Kirk? And I'll tell you, he can't feel the pressure. So I'll give Kirk some blame. I'll give play calling the majority of the blame and I can't blame Cook because I think Cook f- followed through with his assignment, which put him in position to not pick up a block that I think he can pick up. So I'm going, geez, a small Zolgadian pie chart, two people, or I, two yeah, different things. I think, it's, I think part of it's just, like, and, and Brock Heward pointed this out on the broadcast, that it was it was a great play call defensively to dial up, and it's, it's the perfect thing to call when the Vikings have everything to lose running a play action out of their own end zone. I don't fault the Vikings for calling play action because they are a great play action team. But when you run play action in your own end zone, if somebody breaks free, it's such a it, it takes more time to develop and your quarterback is not if your quarterback is standing in shotgun formation, he's surveying everything. When he's running play action, All right. yep. he's blind to half the field in that spot. So, so what's your pie chart? Uh, so my pie chart is, and I don't know, I, I, I might be wrong on this, but I feel like Dalvin Cook's responsibility there is to pick up the blitzer, right? If he's not doing what he's assigned to do, yes. So, But in, in, in that correct. spot, did did he have enough time after no. the play action to, no. to see and move over? No, no, no. And if he, that's, okay. he was selling it, and if so that's, he's going. But if that's not the case, then is that Riley Reef's responsibility knowing that, all right, I need to make sure that whatever's coming from the furthest outside spot 
and the guy who's running full speed. Play the football okay? sounder. Play the football Play sounder. Football. I love where you're I'm going. I'm not a film guy. Okay? I love where you're going. But is it Riley Reef's responsibility to make sure that the outside, the furthest outside pressure is at least bumped off of his line? I don't think so because he's fully engaged at that point with the guy on the front, so I don't think he can account for that guy. Okay, so maybe it was I get your point. Yeah, but yeah, 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 no, 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 no. We know what Kirk can't do, though. It's a perfect play call by the Packers, but it's a lousy job by the Vikings to have Kirk prepared. Uh, off that point, I have a very important question, too. Okay, so if you were to come to me and be like, what do you think we should do in on that play? Because I think Dalvin was probably the checkdown guy. I would also say, why don't you get that ball as quickly as possible to a guy by, by the name of, I think, hold on a second here, I forget his name because he didn't really participate in the game. Oh, Irv Smith Jr., who's pretty good. Yeah, can, can we? It, uh, why wouldn't MIA, you? But, man. But, but, does that, but, does, but does that play not strike you guys as an Irv Smith, just get the ball to him? Because he's going to create something. I saw he's him on the back the of my, uh, my milk carton this morning. I'm very disturbed by I'm very disturbed by how he was not used yesterday. In fact, can, yeah, can, how do you go in knowing everything we know about the explosiveness of Irv Smith? One target? Right. One target in that game. Yeah, and I think it came in the fourth quarter again in uh, chasing the game time. And now, in fairness, so the Vikings only did throw 25 passes, and I believe they only had four or five attempts in the first half because they just didn't run any plays in the first half. Yes, sir. And, uh, and also, it, it took 90 minutes of real time, like actual time, for Kirk Cousins to target someone other than Adam Thielen. But it's just like anytime you've got Irv Smith out there and he's only targeted one time, there's a there's a flaw in the system. Dalvin somewhere. Cook was targeted twice, caught one for minus two yards. That's yeah. another guy who needs to be far more involved in that passing game. Yeah. Football. Hey, we're going to get back to the show in just a second, but a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. And they've been uh, they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years during pandemic periods and non-pandemic periods. It really just helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. All right, talking point number three off yesterday's game. Let's get to the Kirk Cousins uh, aspect oh. here. So Kirk Cousins was, was a mixed bag yesterday. And at no point do I personally blame him for the Vikings losing that game. He was fine in the second half. He threw a bad interception. Uh, I think that was toward the end of the second quarter, if I remember correctly. It was. The safety's not really his fault. Like, he's not, he's not going to... You could you could say that if it's Lamar Jackson back there, dude, we might need you to just elude a free running blitzer at some point. Like we might even strategize for you to elude a free running blitzer so that we can have an extra weapon out catching a pass. Kirk Cousins, that's not really his fault, but he finishes nineteen of twenty five, two fifty nine, so ten yards per attempt, couple touchdowns, interception, threw a couple dimes to Adam Thielen. Um, QBR of 59.3 on a 1-to-100 scale. Rodgers was a 93 on a 1-to-100 scale yesterday, according to ESPN.com. So your general assessment of Kirk Cousins' performance yesterday. Um, completely Kirk. <laughs> it was just completely Kirk. Let me get, give you the statistical uh, breakdown of when Kirk was really playing in, in the game and when Kirk was playing for the people that own him in fantasy, Okay. Because because drives one through seven, Kirk Cousins was, and this is like the game flow too, right? So that this is bigger than him. Four of eight for 66 yards and one pick, which, by the way, was a pass thrown behind 
Thielen, it was a terrible pass. It's on him completely. That That was just awful. You're forcing the ball. That's your fault. But anyway, first seven drives, four of eight, 66 yards, one pick. Chasing the game, drives eight, nine, and ten. All scores, all followed Packer scores. 15 of 17, 193, and two touchdowns. Why can't he play like that? When it's tied, or when the Vikings, you know, in the in the early part of the game, because like the Denver game, when he when he is chasing the game, or when it's garbage time, he's yes. one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. When it's not that scenario, it's a mixed bag, and sometimes he's a disaster. But in, but so in a game like that, if, if you had come to me on Friday and been like, the Vikings are going to get drubbed, and, and here are Cousins splits through the first seven drives, and then drives eight, nine, and ten, where the game is basically out of reach. And you had given me these stats and said, you surprised? <laughs> I would have said, no. It's just perfectly Kirk. Uh, Dex, how would you characterize Kirk Cousins' performance yesterday? Yeah, dude, classic Kirk Cousins. It, 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 if I want to put a grade on it, I would say it was a D-plus, C-minus game. Like, it, it, he wasn't great. And there was moments, like early, he kind of teased us a little bit, right? Like, he, he showed a little bit of mobility. The pocket collapsed. There was a play early on, I think in the first or second series, where he went, oh, the pocket collapsed. Oh, he slides to the right. Oh, he found someone downfield. Like, this is amazing. No, that, that was just a mirage. That was just a flash in the pan. <laughs> and then he collapsed for, for the safety. He pads his stats in the, in the end of the fourth quarter when the Packers defense is basically playing prevent. Yeah, I would like to see him rise up to the occasion. So it was, it was mostly disappointing and very on brand for the Kirk Cousin haters. It is it is funny, like, when you look at the end line and, you know, they scored a bunch of points in the fourth quarter. He had a one, is this accurate? He had a 118.6 That's passer accurate. rating. Yes, that was his passer God, rating for the God. game. Yes. He has, so 118.6 passer rating. You know, he completes like 80% of his throws. Uh, 10 yards per attempt. Like, all the back of the football <laughs> card numbers are there. Yes, sir. And yet the Vikings were getting beat by double digits. They were down by two touchdowns basically the whole game, right? Yes. And so it's just kind of, it's hard to sit here and, and rip him too much because the Vikings didn't really have the ball in the first half. They looked good on the first drive. The first drive was was clinical. Like the first drive was right. a couple of great passes to Adam Thielen, and then they grounded and pounded their way into the end zone, and it was like that right there is the formula for the entire season. That's the Kubiak formula. I think it was play action too on those completed passes, and then you just you, you you hand the ball off to your workhorse running back, and also Alex Madison. So um, back to the, just my just to put a wrap on my Kirk Cousins point, hmm? he is not good enough to carry you back in the second half against a really good team. So you have to get off to a good start and get momentum going and build it early. And so when they fell behind. It was it, it was really hard to envision a scenario where like Aaron Rodgers would make a big mistake in the third quarter and and give the momentum back to Kirk. Mm-hmm. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's paid like Russell Wilson, and so that's the tough part. When you fall behind against a good team like the Packers, like Aaron Rodgers is going to lean on you. Aaron Jones is going to get the ball, and it's kind of over. So, so can can we go? So I I think the Kirk defenders of, of which I always hear from them on Twitter after games are going to say, well, you guys are generalizing and the defense lost this game and those things, that's fine. Uh, the defense is to blame for this game. It is. Can we, can we though, break down like one Cousins-esque play that, that could have made a difference in this game that's absolutely paramount? And it's it's hand-in-hand with coordinator, play-calling, and Cousins. But it's the fourth and three. Now, I like going for it. I disagree with taking a shot down the field. You need three yards, get four yards, get five yards. Um, but all of that being said, Thielen's on the field and Tajay Sharp. And you're saying who? 
the guy that the Vikings signed from the Titans, the guy that had one target on Sunday. And you decide, and this is Kirk. Kirk saw, as he said, he saw the safety rolling over towards Thielen. So he decides to go to Tajay Sharp and makes for Kirk, which really not a great throw. So let's rewind to that play and talk about the impact that that play had on the game as a whole. Because, gentlemen, when you're paying Kirk Cousins what you are, and he's eating up as much of your cap room as he is, that's the exact type of play he has to make. Or or not or not make. Oh right, right? but I'm just saying that's so the, don't don't go to well, Tajay Sharp. It's either got to be he. It either has to be made or he has to go to Thielen or he has to say I'm getting four yeah. yards here. The, but but the point being is that's just one very small portion of the game that's incredibly important to me. That you have he's got to make the right decision and the right play. And he basically this might not sound fair. He has to get the first down there. Yeah, that's why so, he's employed. So I I will uh, I think yeah I think. To say you have to get the first down, I think you have to give yourself. I think the process has to be better there. I think you have to give yourself a better chance than putting up a blind prayer to your fourth wide receiver. And he has one of his quirks throughout his what two plus years with the Vikings has been in certain spots. You'll see like a big third down play, or it's a big game, it's prime time, or a big spot where the game's on the line. And, like, the ball comes out of his hand, and you're thinking, oh, he's stepping up, and who's he throwing it to? And it's like, Taji Sharp? (laughs) Or or it'll be like, you know, who is the... Who's that run? That wide receiver was it? Like Eldrick Robinson or yes. like these like random guys? He had played with him in like yeah. Washington. Yeah, Aldrick <laughs> Robinson. You're right. It'll just be like random guy will just like be coming over the middle and like why is that guy even in the game right now? And so he tends to sometimes not think. All right, if I can throw to Adam Thielen and he's a little bit more covered, or I can throw to Tajay Sharp who's also covered. Like and just, throw to, just throw the ball to Adam. Thielen. And what's the the thing that we talked about last year several times on his deep completions to Diggs? When throwing to a guy like Thielen or Diggs at that time, Kirk Cousins had the touch to complete the pass. Yeah. So, like, you're going to be – it's it's not like, you know, Th- Thielen is now your clear-cut number one receiver, right? So you're going to have to make throws to him when the game matters. So let's yeah. not be let's not be talking about the fourth quarter on Sunday. When the game matters, you got to make throws to him that you probably don't like to make, but you got to complete them and you got to make yeah. them. I will one more thing before we move on from from Kirk Cousins and we'll do deeper dives into the Vikings offense throughout the week here on Purple Daily, but I do have to praise Kirk Cousins because one of the big themes this offseason, he's been talking about wanting to make more plays with his legs. And we've been joking that Okay, Kirk Vick, like let's not go crazy here trying to run ten times. Like like Cam Newton yesterday ran fifteen times and Josh Allen runs ten times every game. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, he ran four times for thirty four yards, so he averaged nine yards per carry, picked up a couple first downs, and the one big play that I remember from the first half, it was like one of his first two completions. He escapes pressure from the pocket, stays behind the line of scrimmage as he runs out to his right and finds Adam Thielen down the field for like 15 yards. And and that type of play, I think, is if he's going to use his legs to go off script, stay behind the line of scrimmage and throw a pass, not fumble, you know, not get concussed and knocked out and Sean Mannion's the starter, if he's being smart about it, that I'm okay with him adding this element to his game. And he did that well in yesterday's performance. All right. All right, Vikings talker number four off yesterday's game. The other quarterback is not cooked. Aaron Rodgers, the talk about Aaron Rodgers' demise and this insinuation that Aaron Rodgers is washed up and he's reached the end of his career. Like, 
not being the same as you were five years ago should not then just equal, uh, you're, you know, you're Mitch Trubisky now all of a sudden, or you're Ryan Fitzpatrick all of a sudden. I think he showed that when he's given time and when he feels comfortable and when Devontae Adams is open, like, this dude can still sling it around, and I think a lot of us probably underestimated just how cooked, quote-unquote, Aaron Rodgers is. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is born from the fact that we have made this decision on Rodgers in recent seasons based on games against who? The Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zim was hired here in 2014 because my contention will always be, Spielman said, I can't find a quarterback, so I'm going to try and stop these guys, right? And Zim came in, and, and there were some really good back-and-forth battles between Rodgers' Packers and Zim's defense. And so I think we said, well, he looks like he's sort of cooked because Mike was doing a good job of game planning. And most importantly, Mike eventually got the guys for a while there in that secondary and the pass rush who were capable of disrupting things for quarterbacks, including Rodgers. What we saw yesterday... And the harsh reality for now is this. When you introduce not one, not two, but three young cornerbacks who are going to play all the time with a pass rush that for now is almost non-existent, Aaron Rodgers, and unfortunately for the Vikings, who knows, perhaps your guy, Rivers, perhaps Tannehill, are going to feast on you until your players start to be able to consistently execute the game plan. So that being said, I think our problem is, we looked at the fact that Zim's defense was pretty damn good and said, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's absolutely cooked. He wasn't cooked. He was just challenged, which the Les Frazier Vikings had a major problem on defense yeah. challenging Aaron Rodgers. All right, Dexa, after watching Rodgers yesterday, how would you? what was your opinion of Rodgers going into the game, and how would you characterize him now? Going into the game, I, I would think he was probably outside as a top-five quarterback. Like, still top ten, still very good. But no longer on the tier one, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Like he, him and Drew Brees, I think, are still very good, but are on the descent. And that's just, that's okay. That's okay to think that. Well, I'm going to pick, I'm going to, I'm going to backpedal a little bit there because Aaron Rodgers looked damn good yesterday. I mean, he looked exactly like Aaron Rodgers. Now he was. They say he plays better after breakups, too. And yeah. He, and he just, him and Danica are I no longer. Don't Did he have that him? trait. So that's uh, good for Aaron Rodgers because I don't have that trait. Uh, you but play poorly after I, it breakups. Takes, uh, sometimes it takes a little while. It depends on the gal. <laughs> depends on the opponent. Um, but the opponent. he was going to Devontae Adams a ton, and obviously he's still super good. And I know there's still some questions after him. I mean, I like Alan Lazard. I think he's a nice receiver. They probably should have drafted another wideout. But you know what? If if he can make hay with just Devontae Adams and everyone else has supplemental pieces around him, with also my guy Aaron Jones in the background, maybe this Packer offense isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't think, personally, I never thought the Packers' offense was going to be bad. I felt like the Packers did a poor job upgrading whatever their offense was last year. And there, this is, this is just going to be a theme throughout the year. When you have great quarterbacks playing road games where ordinarily life would be difficult because the crowd would be amped up, these guys are playing studio football. So they're either going to be playing, you've got some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees played each other yesterday. And once we get past the first month of of mostly clunky football, these guys are going to be playing in silent stadiums, just like they have at training camp when they're running seven-on-seven drills. And you look how comfortable those guys are when they're running full-team practices. Like they might as well have red you know, jerseys on. Uh, that say do not touch. And I'd love to find, maybe I can find this before the episode's over. 
Aaron Rodgers in his career, how many times has he gone unsacked, and what does he look like in those games? Because I'm guessing it's a lot like he looked yesterday when he's that comfortable. Well, and young corners, too. He, yep. Here's the, the, the biggest takeaway from the Packers' offense and what it didn't do on Sunday, and no one is going to talk about this, but if the Vikings' defense was its normal self, this would be a huge storyline. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who statistically had a very good game and caught the deep touchdown pass against Dantzler, he dropped, literally dropped, a crossing route third down pass that he would have gained 30 yards on, okay? That gets dropped. He did not catch a deep ball in which he had everyone, including the safeties, completely beaten, I think it was early in the second half, possibly, down the left sideline at the Vikings 10. And it was... It was not the greatest pass that's been thrown, but it was certainly catchable. That ball was not caught. That didn't bite the Packers in the butt one bit. Yeah. Ordinarily, that would be a huge storyline. Yeah. Uh, I think I found it here, by the way. So from so for, since 2010, Aaron Rodgers, is this accurate? I don't know. This is from Pro Football Reference. I just did a quick search. He's been, uh, he, he, he has gone sackless in the regular season 14 times. All right, mm-hmm. fourteen times. One of them was yesterday. Yesterday, by the way, was a unique score in NFL history. Apparently, that the, a forty-three thirty-four final. I think I saw. Oh, the safety has never happened before. The safety got it. It did sort of sideways. So Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is in those fourteen games. He's when he doesn't get sacked, he's twelve and two. Yeah, that makes he's sense. Twelve and two. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm going to add this up here: eleven plus twelve is twenty-three, twenty-six, thirty-four, six. 38 touchdowns to just six interceptions when he's not sacked in a game. Makes perfect sense. So that's that's what happens. And half those games are home games. It's, it's only happened six times on the road where he hasn't been sacked. Uh, the, one, of, one of the rare occasions was 2017. He was not sacked at U.S. Bank Stadium, but the Packers lost that game 23-10. to 10. That might have also been the game where uh, Brett Hundley played the majority of it because even though Rodgers wasn't sacked, he was... Certainly knocked to the ground by Anthony Barr. So, and it, it, it's not that when he gets pressured that he throws a ton of picks. It's that he gets frustrated and basically starts spiking the ball. And and because he's not because he's so risk adverse yeah. that he doesn't make dumb plays. He was back in the pocket on Sunday, patting that ball, waiting. I mean, there were a few times that I saw him, and he genuinely looked shocked that he had as much time as he had. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he lit a cigarette back there at one point. I don't know. He oh, just yeah. kind of set it down and surveyed the field. It's bad form. All right, uh, and Declan, I'm putting you on the spot because we don't actually have a banner for this for the for production. But the fifth Vikings talker is uh, less for Judd because he was at the stadium, more for me and Declan. It's a broadcast related talker. I thought Greg Jennings and Brock Heward were great with Chris Myers yesterday, and Chris Myers ordinarily is kind of like mute the TV for me, and sometimes his partners have been okay, but. Uh, I thought Greg Jennings added quite a bit to the broadcast yesterday, and I think Brock Heward is is very cerebral, former quarterback guy. Declan, what did you make of the broadcast? I thought it was yesterday? awesome. Yeah, Greg Jennings was sweet, dude. Um, I, I know a lot of Packer fans hate him because he loves Rip Aaron Rodgers, but I, I thought he was awesome. He added a great little insight to it. And the three-man crew in general, yeah, I thought all of them kind of hyped up, lifted each other up a little bit, got them over. So, yeah, actually, I, I was pretty impressed. And I, Jen Hale did a good job. They got a scoop there that Unique Ngakwe was dealing with an ankle injury that, like, no one, that, like, flew under the radar. Like, she dropped that, I think, in the second quarter, and it was like, oh, there was an ankle injury? So I thought they did a very good job. Yeah, it's, um, I, anytime you have, 
I think the three man booth is always a good option if you're if if it's like Chris Myers and he's not going to carry like Joe Buck can kind of carry it by himself with one other guy, but just get some guys in there, a little camaraderie, clowning around and, and having some fun. And uh, and and Greg Jennings seems like the type of guy because he'll actually say something. He has an opinion, and he wasn't afraid to ruffle Aaron Rodgers' feathers, you know, throughout the end of his career. So I'm glad that they've got someone in the booth there that might actually say something and uh, maybe rip somebody. How did Greg take it when when Rodgers did so well? Because he's fine, fine. I, those two, yeah. I don't. I think definitely aren't best buddies. No, I think well, but. You know, you know, Roger's point of view was like, "Hey, I, you know, I made you rich." Yeah. And Greg Jennings, yeah, Greg Jennings' stance on that was like, "Well, you're kind of a selfish, aloof leader, quote unquote." Yeah, and, that's true uh, as well. And I made myself <laughs> rich. And of course, you know, Greg Jennings. I think Aaron Rodgers was probably probably more right than Greg Jennings in that when Jennings went to go play for the Vikings and like didn't have Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, then right. it's tougher to put up 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. But he was good on the broadcast yesterday. What's the biggest thing that we didn't find out because the Vikings played so poorly? Because in my mind, the biggest one is we didn't find out yet really. We didn't get a really good look into what the restructured offensive line is going to look like. Um, yeah, it. They only ran the ball twenty two. They they actually had pretty good success running the ball. But eighteen minutes but. of possession plus is so little that it's hard to really. Yeah make a judgment completely. I don't think we got a great feel for the offensive weapons in the passing game. And part of that's because of just like they didn't run as many plays as they would have. Um, you'd Ordinarily, you'd run like 25 or 30 more plays in a normal NFL game than the Vikings ran yesterday. Yeah. They just they ran 47 offensive plays, which is ridiculous. So we, we saw a little bit of Justin Jefferson and there was a little wiggle there in the slot. I thought you know, he caught a couple passes, and you, you, you know, when he caught caught a couple of those passes, it was like, oh, all right, something there. Uh, but we only saw the one target to Irv Smith Jr. and Dalvin Cook only caught the one pass out of the backfield for a loss. So we just didn't we just didn't get to see the whole offensive arsenal, not even close. in its entirety. Not even close. That so. that and on defense, my question is, where was Jeff Gladney? Would it have made a difference? I don't think it would have mattered. He's I your mean, first round pick, though, he's man. Getting torched too, man. Well, He's yeah, but but I want him. But I He's want him. My guess is is that they didn't plan because he had springtime surgery on his knee because I think he tore his meniscus last year in college. But I mean, he's got to play soon. He, he's a first round pick. Well, if he's got and a bad, yeah, if he's got a bad be, meniscus still, then well, that's my only guess. Like, why wouldn't he have played? Cam Dantzler certainly didn't uh, didn't justify not. It's not like he justified, well, we've got to keep playing him because he's getting torched so much. Well, this is great. I don't think Cam Dantzler was that bad in the game. There's The, the two big plays that stand out are, are, are both sort of Aaron Rodgers identifying. I know you think, college kid, that you've got that receiver covered right now, but I'm going to show you that you don't <laughs> because your head is turned slightly the wrong direction, sure. and I'm just going to put a ball right on a dime where only the receiver can catch it. and. That's that's actually one of the biggest takeaways from yesterday is that Cam Dantzler and even like Holton Hill hasn't played that many NFL games and Mike Hughes hasn't played that many NFL games, but those guys found out. All right, this is no longer do you have like mentor Xavier Rhodes and veteran Trey Waynes right. like those guys are gone, and so it's up to you guys to figure it out because Mike Hughes is the veteran among that group right now. But this is so what you got right now. Learn quick, like it's not changing un- unless they sign a guy off the street this week. It's not changing, and I don't. My question is this: If you don't blitz next week, 
Are you going to get a better pass rush just because there's been more time, or are you good? Because I will, I will defend the corners on this. If you don't get pressure on veteran quarterbacks and they can sit back there, it's really hard to hang with guys. Now the good news is, and he is my guy, Philip Rivers. Are you going to go after? He him? is my bad, guy. That was a Rivers. bad loss okay. by, that, by your boys. That yesterday. was really bad. It was pretty bad. Uh, he is my guy, Philip Rivers, but yes. he's not quite as accurate as Aaron Rodgers. Not quite. Not quite uh, last time we saw him might, in December, he was not accurate at all in, in Los Angeles. You might look and say, well, but the completion percentage, I'm talking aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens. But that's a wrap on this recap episode of Purple Daily here. And uh, there's still 15 weeks of football to be played. So that could either be good news or bad news based on what we saw with the Vikings yesterday. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, it helps spread the word about Purple Daily. And if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Podcast, and uh, give us some love there too. And don't forget Vikings Vent Line on our YouTube page, Purple Daily Podcast, and also live on Score North Twitter and Facebook right after each Vikings game is over. And we had a blast welcoming listeners into the show yesterday. Uh, it went off with very few, if any, technical difficulties, and Judd didn't get kicked out of the press box for being too loud and obnoxious. So it was a good a win yesterday. I was on my best behavior. Nice job. Unlike the Vikings. Yep. All right. See you guys tomorrow on Purple Daily. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.